Experience the power of 5G with T-Mobile. With faster 5G speeds nationwide, you can upload your favorite videos super fast or game on the go. Plus, T-Mobile has more 5G bars in more places, so you can stay connected to what matters most from almost anywhere. Switch to T-Mobile today, the leader in 5G. T-Mobile has America's largest 5G network, fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data 5G speeds for Q4 2021. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. You know the old saying, selling like hotcakes? What does that even mean? What is a hotcake anyway? They should change it to selling like Hondas, because right now Hondas are selling faster than ever. Probably because they're so rugged, long-lasting, and fuel-efficient. And if you want one, you should get to your local Honda dealer right away. Check out the eight-passenger pilot, or maybe the adventurous Passport. But you gotta do it fast, because Hondas are selling like, well, Hondas. New models are arriving right now. Don't wait. See your local Honda dealer today. The BHP Podcast is proudly presented by Dead Down Wind, Stealth Cam, Tinks, Skull Hooker, Grind Life Coffee. We also want to tell you guys to check out the new Fred Bearfield Notes Podcast, available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Learn about Fred Bear and his heritage. It's something you're not going to want to miss, and it's one of those things that really bring bow hunters together. Hello, welcome to the bowhunterplanet.com podcast. Myself, Dave Thomas, tonight, along with Jamie the Nopum, Tim the Mazarana, Kevin the Conlin. How are you guys doing? Great. Good. Hey, Good. Tim, Good. I, I heard it's your birthday today. Oh, stop it. <laughs> it stop is. it. It'll be uh, over by the time we Is that 40? Is it 40? It's 40 ish. Yeah. 39, <laughs> huh? Oh, Close. man. Close. What is that? I mean, so what are you going to do? What are you doing for your birthday besides being on this awesome man, podcast? You're, you're looking at it. This is my life, man. This is all I like to do, you know? I don't do anything else. So you're, you guys are lucky. Oh well, you get to hang out with me tonight. That's uh, you, I didn't see any presents though. Just I'm just I'm not expecting anything. But um, I just, I did. I told know. you I came and reset all this up the night before. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't. Such a gentleman. I'm present. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. Jamie, <laughs> he's like no. I'll give you a present later. <laughs> present. <laughs> anyway, tonight it. we are <laughs> talking about the ATA show, the Archery Trade Show, Associ- Archery Trade Association. Excuse me. And uh, we tonight have our, our guest from that organization, uh, Matt Corman, who is the president of ATA. Matt, how you doing, man? New great, Dave. Happy birthday, Tim. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Tim, you going to learn to shoot a compound bow now? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, crossbow? I, I'm pretty sure I'm a crack shot compared to you. So. Probably. Ooh. It's probably now, a true we'll statement. <laughs> Less, lessons are good, guys. <laughs> so, Matt, what's going on at the ATA nowadays? Oh my goodness, an enormous amount. Uh, you know, kind of getting into the busy season here, as you as you guys are certainly familiar mm-hmm. with, and there's really no off season for the ATA. So uh, people, I think, tend to tend to believe that what we do is the trade show, and when the trade show's over, that's it, and we kind of relax for a bit. That's definitely not the case. There's a lot going on outside of the trade show, but uh, right now, certainly the seasonality is is gearing up for uh, Indy in January, and, uh, while also doing a bunch of other programs and a and a consumer marketing campaign, trying to bring new shooters into the sports, and and uh, really working hard on on that whole aspect of of uh, inspiring growth in the industry as a whole and protecting what we got for sure too. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. I guess you know before we get into the details, let's talk a little bit about. Um, 
the history of the ATA. You know, what, what is it about the ATA, I guess, and, you know, tell us what you, what you can about it. Yeah, and, well, and, and maybe talk about modern history. You know, I've, I've only been with the ATA now uh, coming up on two years next month, and and it really, I, I think the the history of the show is, is one that, it's amazing because when you think about buying and selling between manufacturers and retailers within the archery space, you think about this show. Uh, even before I was with the ATA, uh, I, I was it was something I always wanted to attend. And as a shooter, as a as a as a target shooter prior to coming here, I couldn't go. And it was always something that I really wanted to do. And so I wasn't really sure what it was, but I knew it was this really cool thing. Uh, and and really, uh, in its current form, uh, going back about 20 years, has been the place for manufacturers to sell to retailers. We're trying to evolve that a little bit here. Uh, little by little, we certainly don't want to change everything. There's a tremendous history that we want to respect and grow from. Uh, we, we certainly don't want to turn it on its head, but um, trying to trying to do quite a bit to the show actually coming into 2020 in Indy uh, to, to change things up and make sure that it's a show that folks want to continue to attend. So, you know, the show has been pretty, pretty impressive, honestly. I mean, there's a lot that goes into that show. I don't, you know, a lot of people don't realize that. They show up to the show, they get to see all the great things, but they forget about the planning behind the show and kind of how it all comes together. And we were just at actually a local small show, and even that had a lot of work. But then I think of the ATA show and the immensity of it and how large and how many companies. I mean, tell us a little bit about the planning of it. It seems like just such a huge, huge undertaking. Wow, and and that's I'm 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 glad you brought that up because that's the world that I came from. I, I worked for a company that that provided services to trade shows all over the world. And, uh, and it seemed kind of me to have gotten sort of, uh, consistent. My job at least had gotten kind of consistent, even though every show was different, the planning was really tough. But then I, to, to come into the ATA and see what it was like from the organizer's side, from the side of somebody actually putting on the show was something completely different. Like I said, there's no off season, uh, Maria Lewis and her team who manage the trade show and also are responsible for all the services to our members, there there literally is no off-season. The second – you would think that the second that the, that the, the 2019 show was done, that they'd take a little breather and start planning for 2020. The reality is planning for 2020 started probably five or six years ago with site selection. Um, you know, we're trying to fill a hole for 2024 where we'll take the show there. We uh, Unfortunately, we can't go back to Indy that year uh, because uh, something much larger, the NCAA football championship, booted us out that year because wow. right over the top. Sorry. <laughs> oh, <okay>. Exactly. <laughs> they're, 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 they're a little bit larger than us. How dare so they? Yeah, exactly. That's what we said. And then we said, uh, thank you. We'll find someplace else. Um, but it's, uh, and maybe just a little insight on that. You think 2024 is just over four years away. It should be easy to find a place, right? Well, if you're, if you're trying to find a place to bring nine or 10,000 people into a city, four years is actually too short. Um, so that effort's been going on now for about a year and a half. Uh, and we think we're going to be able to lock that down. I wish I could share that with you now, but I can't. Um, we, we think that we're going to lock that down here in the next month or two where we'll take the show in 24. But even it, it's not just planning of uh, the, the design of the space and what the signage is going to look like and the theme of the show and who's going to present. It's all this stuff years in advance about where where we would like to take it, where our members would like to go and and. And then where can we go? Because there's a lot of places that we're not a great fit for, and our members would not want to attend. 
Kobo, Detroit. Yeah, Detroit. <laughs> TCF Center now, though. Come on. Last no. time I was in Kobo, I was still in the rock and roll world. Though, oh, so. there you go. There you go. Nice, nice. Yeah, uh, we have a lot. We have obviously the auto trade show yeah. here every year, yep. so it is massive. Which and... would compete actually with the dates. Yeah. No. 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 In January. They changed it. Oh, they are. The they moving it back to summer. summer. That's yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. It's the first year. Um, I it's gonna about be. A, that. It's gonna be pretty sweet this year yep. coming up. You know. Um, so anyway, uh, let's talk a little bit about the previous locations. So I think we've been to Indy. We've been to uh, Louisville. We've yep. been to Nash uh, Nashville. I believe. I didn't was go one to year. Nashville. You did. Um, yeah. And what other areas? Am I missing some in there? Uh, we were in Ohio once, uh, years back, well prior to me. Um, uh, we were in Atlanta Ooh, once, and I'm, I'm actually in Metro Atlanta here uh, some years ago. But I think that you're you're hitting on you're hitting on where we've been, and and I'll tell you where we've considered is is really been even a much longer list. We've looked at cities in Texas. We looked at going back into Ohio. Um, Really, it's it's about who's got available dates for us, and then can we actually physically fit in their space? And those two combined can tend to be pretty tough. Yeah, yeah I mean, how many people in general is going to that show? It's got to be a very large number. Yeah, it's uh, last year. I want to say we were just a shade over nine thousand, wow, and wow. and maybe oversharing here that the the fun fact that blew me away when I came into the ATA, and this is this is pretty unique for our show. 80% of our attendees drive to the show, wow. which is a, a massive, massive wow. number. Wow. Well, Ooh. that's probably that. I think that just means that guess, you're logistically in the right spot. Yeah. I guess at least <laughs> I guess that leaves Vegas out. <laughs> it, it does, and and, huh. and I'll have every year. Uh, so uh, every year, it's been two years. I say it like it's been twenty. Sometimes it feels like twenty. Uh, but I, I will. I'll have folks come up to me uh, at the show. I know it'll happen again in Indy uh, in January, and it's happened the last two years. Come up and say, "Okay, when are you bringing the show to Las Vegas?" Um, and and the reality is, our exhibitors have gotten used to spending a certain amount to come. It's a massive expense for them sure uh, yeah. to, to bring exhibitry and their folks out to sell yeah. their wares to retailers. It's also a massive expense for retailers to come and get hotel rooms. So we're really careful about where we go in terms of how much it costs to get there and how much it costs to actually do the show for the folks who are exhibiting there as well. Yeah, so do you cool. find the Midwest, the Midwest then is really the, the central location, yeah. right? I mean, if you're talking about 80% of your people driving everywhere, yeah. I mean, that makes sense, I guess. So, Yeah, and, and I think you can see that also with, <clears throat> with some of the – with some of the tournaments as well. Uh, you know, we, we can draw, we can draw a day's drive circle around the cities where we've hosted the show and capture, uh, you know, the vast majority of our membership. Now, would that, would that membership change if we had an event out West? Sure. It would, I think. Um, but we've, you know, we really need to be careful about uh, getting as many folks, making it as attractive to as many, the greatest percentage of folks as we can. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about that membership. Um, you know, what does it take to be a member? What do you need to do? How do you apply? All of that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, it it's it, 
that's one of those things that I think has been a little confusing to folks. Um, in fact, I've, I've got a good friend here in Georgia who's a big bow hunter and, and I just met him about a year and a half ago and, and he said, Oh yeah, I'm a bow hunter. I'm going to come to your show. And I had a laugh and say, well, uh, actually you can't, uh, and, and then had to explain it to him. So membership is really some attachment to the archery industry. If you're, if you're making product or you're making, you're making archery and bow hunting product, you're making some product that aligns somehow with the industry, you can become a member. Yeah. Well, uh, my wife every- tells me my wallet's attached to the industry. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Then your, your wife is probably an honorary member. Exactly. <laughs> she ought to be, right? Uh, and that's everything from scent manufacturers to, to of course, uh, the other big brands that we've seen, that the kind of additional outdoor recreation brands that we've seen at the event. Um, retailers, there's, there's various levels also of manufacturing retail membership. Uh, media members, I'm sure BHP is probably a media member of, of the ATA. Uh, and and so that's that's the way to get in is membership. The a lot of organizations are most concerned with churning membership. They want to add members without really thinking about who they're adding. And so you can you can click on their website and join, and you're in. Um, that's a little different. And with us, you can certainly learn about membership at archerytrade.org. Uh, however, the best path into membership is to do a little homework on archerytrade.org and then pick up the phone and call the office. Talk to Wendy Lang, most likely, and and explain what your business is and what you're interested in accomplishing and make sure that she can help you on the right path. There are often more efficient memberships than you might think that there are, especially for newer manufacturers, for example. Um, we're also, uh, we've just started up a new member pathways program to to help new members get into the organization a little better, know what we can offer them out of the gate from the day they join, especially for retailers, uh, and to make it a little less uh, obstructive, uh, remove some of the barriers to entry uh, to membership, while also confirming that, yeah, they're, they're a shop, they're doing business, and uh, they ought to be members here. So let's talk a little bit about the ATA as a whole, as in um, not the trade show, but everything else. Now, I know you guys work on a lot of things with legal and, and laws, and I know I see the name attached to a lot of things, um, the urine stuff that's been going on with baiting and non-baiting. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, what are some of the things you guys are working on now, and how can people help or get involved? Wow, you you opened a whole can of worms. Uh, and, and I, <laughs> it was like five and, important things. <laughs> we're we're going to have to do eight of these to get to all of them. Um, yeah, the, so the the scent manufacturers fall under a category, uh, a program called the Deer Protection Program, uh, and that's a pretty small membership. I mean, if you think about the number of of natural scent manufacturers out there, the number's not huge. Uh, and, and those members follow a very strict guideline, uh, that we've set up. And, and in fact, some States have started writing laws that include our expectations, the ATA's expectation for, uh, scent production, uh, so that they can say, okay, this is, nobody can say that, that natural scent is hundred percent safe, but it, it's the safest possible that you can get if they follow those strictures. There's a lot more information about that on the website. Um, the, really the best benefit there for those members is Dan Forster, who's our chief conservation officer. Dan is a former director of fish and wildlife here in Georgia for 12 years. Uh, his network out into the States is such that when one of these issues comes up, it's, it's 
pretty common that he'll pick up the phone and have a conversation and figure out where this, where the, what the status is of that law or that regulation and, and figure out what we can and can't do to try and affect it and then get the information out to our DPP members so that they can feedback. Sometimes we're surprised. I know that doesn't come as a surprise to any of you guys. Uh, raise your hand if you've never been surprised by something a state has done in terms of legislation <laughs> or regulation. Uh, it, it happens all the time. Uh, sometimes we are surprised. We can't keep our finger on every pulse, but uh, th that that program has proven um, to save natural scent use in several states just in the last year or two, just by virtue of the, the stricture around the program. Um, a couple other things I'll, I'll probably highlight really quickly. Uh, we, we have had for a long time uh, an archery range uh, guideline, basically. If you want to build a range, what should that look like? That was mostly aimed at state agencies who had land and had a lot of money to do so. Um, we've taken that a step further, and, and we're, we've built out the range guide uh, to, to sort of be small, medium, large, and also opened up uh, a grant program. Those app, that application for range grants actually is open right now. Uh, any of your listeners have a shop and they want to open a range and they feel like they need help, um, archerytrade.org slash grant, and they can uh, take a look at uh, what we'd be looking for there. Uh, obviously, we're not going to fund, we can't fund every range out there. Um, we'd go bankrupt tomorrow. We probably want to do that, but uh, we need we need money for other things as well. But we can certainly help, and we partner with a lot of states, and, and we'd be willing to partner with a lot more and some private entities, entities as well if, if what that end goal is, is to grow archery and bow hunting. Um, last thing, probably the biggest one for us this year has been uh, the consumer campaign. Um, hopefully, and, and hear me out on this, hopefully you guys have not seen it because you're not in the target demographic. We've aimed an ad campaign uh, online uh, at, on streaming audio and video services at folks who don't currently shoot. Uh, it's a quick 15-second spot with a teaser to go to a website where they can find the closest range to them uh, and and if they have a uh, closest pro shop to them and if that pro shop has a range and that pro shop wants to offer them an hour of free range time and, and they're a new customer, they can download a coupon and come in. Um, that just started August 1st. And in the month of August, uh, the data tells us that we drove about 2,300 new shooters into, or new customers rather, into pro shops. Now you bring that out nationwide, uh, divide that by 50 states, that, that number can seem pretty small, but it's the first of its kind effort. We're really, really proud of, of the ad and what we're doing and trying to get folks in. It's something that the board of directors has wanted to do for a really long time. Uh, and, and we hope that we're going to drive a lot more folks into pro shops here in the next couple months. That's great. That's really yeah. cool. Since 1971, Burris has been the leader in optics innovation, and that continues today with products like the new Oracle Range Finding Bowsight. Burris offers the best value on the market today. Their optics are durable, reliable, and affordable. Everything they offer from red dots and rifle scopes to their binos and bowsights are backed by their forever warranty. Burris, find what matters. For 20 years, StealthCam has been at the forefront of trail camera development and innovation. 
From the industry's first 4K ultra-high-definition DS4K and the XV4's advanced high-resolution night imaging to the latest in wireless technologies, StealthCam continues to deliver the highest quality, most reliable trail cameras available. Your images begin at StealthCam.com. Coffee break If you're looking for premium coffee for those who grind every day, if life is an adventure and not just a routine, Grind Life is for you. You could be an adventurer, military person, first responder, outdoorsman, factory worker, or just red-blooded patriotic American. Grind Life is here to help you achieve success in everything you do. Visit GrindLifeCoffee.com and tell them BHP Podcast sent you. And enjoy a fresh brew just like us. Yo, Kevin, give me a warm-up. Those are the kinds of things you got to have, though. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's a hunting and archery as a whole, right? Trying to get kids outdoors, trying to get kids shooting. And this isn't like new people. This would be like new kids, right? Yeah. And, and this that I'm talking about right now, but in the sense of, um, getting a kid outdoors and getting them excited about hunting is a challenge in itself, right? Yeah. And so, how do we do that? How do Huge. we get those kids involved? You know, yeah. and some of the some of the constraints that I'm seeing, you know, are a lot of different things. But the biggest constraint would be a great example is this past weekend. Huge example of this, right? Take the kid out to hunt. We're bow hunting, crossbow. He's all excited. A buck comes out, fifty yards. I won't let him shoot. It's out of range. But if I had bait, maybe the deer would have came in front of him, right? Yeah. But I get it, you know, and then so Michigan makes it illegal. And just, just yeah. talking about Michigan here for yeah. a specific thing. Yep. But not having that tool to get that deer close to him to take that shot, it didn't work good for him, right? And in the end, no. and then don't get me wrong, it's not about him, I get it. But the problem is it, it hinders the growth yeah. expectation I'm trying to do. And so for him not to get it, he's extremely disappointed. He's happy that he made the right choice and not just let an arrow fly because I taught him that that's the right thing to do and not shoot and just take a shot. But at the same time, these kinds of things are going to affect us trying to bring kids up. I yeah, mean, I, having... I did see the numbers because I see Ted Nugent went to the state and, and did a speech, but I, I think it was 780,000 deer licenses sold like 10 years ago. In Michigan, yeah, it's down to around almost six hundred thousand. That's my fear. Is my fear is that it's gonna get, it's gonna be harder to hunt. And this is just one thing, right? Not only are we gonna maybe lose actual hunters, yeah. it's gonna be hard to grow hunting because you know it's not easy to get a deer if you're not hunting on a farm, you're not hunting over corn. If you're hunting on land that doesn't have those those uh, things, you're hunting runs. You're hunting, yeah. and don't get me wrong. Hunting, some people are amazing at it, yeah. and that's great. I have nothing against that. There's people who would be like, hunting over bait's not hunting. Okay, fine. If that's how you do it, that's cool. Mm. But I'm just saying, these are the, some of the things that are hindering us, and not just that. How do we get into the mainstream to excite people? And this is a great example of that, right? This is an option. Hey, you want to learn to shoot, you can shoot for free. Check this mm. out. This little, I mean, that's a great, great idea, Matt. Mm. I mean, it's... That's definitely big. Yeah. So, we're, Matt, we're, I'd love to get your thoughts on where you see the industry at right now. Um, you know, number one. And number two, from the state side of things, do you see the states um, really hindering hunters coming into the industry or new hunters coming in? Or do you see them more as a resource? So, uh, two obviously, two questions there. What's the state of the industry and, and how are the states working with industry and working with the sport of 
bow hunting specifically. And, 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 and I'm, if I've got time, I might dovetail that into target archery too, because sure. they're, they're doing some good work in both of those areas. Mm-hmm. State of the industry. And, and I started to chuckle a little bit as you asked the question, because it's the most common question, but I love it because the answer in the course of my two years here is, has always been the same. It depends on who you ask. Uh, I, I can, I can tell you there are retailers out there to or overreaction to uh, positive tests like that. Now, that's a good segue into into how the state's playing with us, which I think is is Tim probably what your question was. Um, by and large, incredibly well. Uh, they they really, you know, it's you're dealing with government agencies a lot of times, and 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 so many times those agencies. Uh, fall into that governmental aspect of, well, this is how we've done it, so this is the way we're going to do it. And, it. and it would be dangerous to go into those discussions with those state agencies and even at the federal level, assuming that that's what they were going to say. Most of them, everyone actually that we've talked to, every state director, every state agency staffer, um, uh, everybody at the fed level that we've talked to, when you bring an idea to them, they're eager. Their eyes light up. They get animated. They want to help. Um, even at the federal level now, there's, you know, there's, there's a, 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 seems like there's a big desire to, to open target ranges uh, on, on federal land in federal parks. Uh, and that's coming from the grassroots level from, from uh, park administrators on up. Uh, uh, had a, had a good conversation, uh, with Aurelia Skip with actually the, the evening after her confirmation hearing in DC, I was out there for the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation's dinner and happened to run into her and, and, and hopefully she gets concerned, confirmed because, uh, while there are concerns about perhaps her background and her, and the lack of a science background there, uh, she's very eager to see federal lands get opened up to target shooting archery, bow hunting, those kinds of things when it's appropriate to do so. And, and it's, it, it's a simple question. When you bring it up to them, their eyes light up. They want to do it. And all you have to do is help them find a way to get out of the way that they've always done it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. I have to say, I mean, I, I, we, I, we have seen a shift, a huge shift in the media side of it. Uh, the marketing companies, uh, that, you know, are, we have a show on YouTube called Test Lab, and it's all online based. And we review the bows in the industry and different products. We can't keep up; it's so busy. I mean, right. we get yeah. stuff weekly. Oh, yeah. We're getting, and then bow companies are doing more than they've ever done. I mean, all of them. It's not yeah. even like so. I think they're they're shifting now to test the online side of the marketing yeah. and and really moving things in different directions to play around with it from that perspective of the of the market, I guess. Yeah, they're moving more from that traditional type of advertising into more of the, the digital they're shifting. base, which yeah, is a great. little bit of a yeah. shift and maybe they're just breaking it up just to see what you know yeah. what the differences are. But you know, I mean obviously online's been pretty large in the last ten years. I mean it's been maybe more than that actually, maybe like fifteen, but <laughs> it's it, the growth has been crazy. Yeah. So Matt, I guess real quick, you know, I I know we're running out of time. So uh, tell us a little bit about you. Like what's your background? Do you, do you hunt? Do you uh, you said you did some music stuff in the back in the uh, in the past well maybe i'll go in reverse order uh my first day hunting was my first day on this job nice all right yeah i grew up grew up in minnesota grew up in suburban st paul nobody in my family hunted didn't really have friends who hunted uh my daughter got into target archery uh several years ago um, because we had a pro shop near us who ran commercials on the radio and she was eager she'd read the hunger games book she's like i want to go nice. try and shoot a bow cool we did that. We we got big time into target shooting. Uh, uh, she shot 
world archery tournaments um, over the course of a couple of years and 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 did incredibly well. And and now, as a junior in high school, she's mostly focused on homework, if you can believe that. Yeah. Uh, what kind uh, of kid is this? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, I I I had always wanted to hunt. Uh, once I, especially once I started taking up target archery, it just fascinated me. Um, and, and Dave, something you said earlier really clicked with me and I know, and then this is, I guess, less about me and more about what we were talking about before it, it really around sense, scent use. I heard you mention crossbow for Tim. It really comes down to the right tool for the right job. When I got into hunting, the, my first year hunting, I, I never did anything but pick up the compound bow. And then my mentor, my hunting mentor, who happens to be Dan Forster, uh, who's an incredibly accomplished hunter, took me out turkey hunting. And I said, OK, should I bring the should I bring the bow or the gun? And there was this long pause as all the filters <laughs> engaged. And he said, well, Matt, do you want to hunt or do you want to kill a turkey? <laughs> I said, I'll bring, I'll bring the shotgun. And sure enough, a couple of days later, I had my first I had my first anything That's with awesome. the turkey. Uh, and 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 then. You know, fast forward another year, and I'm in Alabama with him again, and I brought the rifle out and was able to shoot three deer in three days. Wow. Wow. Holy cow. And and that, and I needed to do that. I think I needed to do that to get that confidence behind the bow. Now, okay, I've taken down a turkey. I've, I've shot a few deer with the rifle. In fact, I have gotten my first bow buck, but we didn't know it for six months because the yotes got it. We never found no. it. No, I've had happened that. to me. Yep. Yeah, it happens to everybody. So, <laughs> yeah, and, and, but I'm thrilled. I got the skull back, if you can believe that. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, I'm, man, I'm, I'm just so wired about hunting now and just trying to make every opportunity that I can to get out into the field. Um, got plans to do that with a bow, uh, going after hog here in Georgia next month, uh, awesome. going to go to Kansas for whitetail in November. Um, that, that's where I am now where I came from was almost, almost 18 years in the trade show business, actually as an audiovisual guy in the trade show business, leading some sales teams, um, which is, which is what, uh, I think made me attractive to the ATA. I'd spent a lot of time, uh, working for folks like them doing trade shows, uh, and and was able to bring in some ideas into that process, uh, and and that I think are coming to fruition now. Quite frankly, a lot of the ideas that we're bringing into the process were already here. Uh, Maria's incredibly creative in what she's doing with the show, uh, and and really the best thing that we can do for Maria is 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 give her a, a bunch of road and let her run on it. Uh, yeah. She and her team are doing tremendous tremendous work there. And just because I mentioned it, I'll go back one step prior to that. I was actually a sound guy uh, touring with rock and country bands for four or five years prior to that. We needed you here to mess mess yeah. with our soundboard. <laughs> <laughs> We've been running through issues with this stupid I thing. I don't know that you want the guy who's been out of it for 20 years messing it's with It's still better than what we got. <laughs> I, it's working, isn't it? I have, yeah. a, I have a question. I have a question. Come on, man. Be nice to Tim. Thank you. It's my birthday. Yeah, true. <laughs> I got a question. Think, uh, you know, something you said about your daughter made me think. So she's an accomplished uh, archer, and she's a junior in high school. Are there opportunities to get college scholarships? Do they have archery in college, like athletics? Yeah, yeah, there, there are, and there are more that you would. There are more than you would think. Um, uh, there are several, there are a couple schools uh, actually within a short drive from us here where you can get a nice scholarship that will take care of almost all of your tuition 
and and in fact, USA oh. Archery has done a really phenomenal job of consolidating um, the two primary collegiate archery organizations into one under their umbrella. Uh, and they've actually brought on, uh, if anybody out there listening is familiar with some former staffers from ATA, Emily Beach worked with us and, and was the senior director of, uh, of uh, outreach and education, went to American Sport Fishing Association for a year. Now she's with USA Archery. And her job is to really rapidly ramp up the the university participation. And, and we're we're doing as much as we can to support that because our goal, one of our strategic planning goals is to, is to really foster a big growth at the high school level. Well, what we've learned from, from sports like bass fishing is how you do that is you jumpstart the university level, the college level. And that, that forces this growth at the high school level. Uh, and so, um, their us archery I know is focused on a couple of States and trying to get full university systems, state university systems, uh, to bring in archery, at, uh, as a competitive sport, as a varsity sport. There's, there, there are more now than you would think. I wish I, uh, Kevin, I wish I had a number for you. I don't. Yeah. That's interesting because, you know, e- I mean, I've been into archery my whole life, and I never really thought about being a college sport until you started talking about her being a junior, and hmm. and I thought, man, what an opportunity! Yeah, let's. Uh, so, um, just shifting gears real quick, uh, uh, Matt. So, you know, I do want to say that um, I, I want to say the ATA has done such a great job over the years. I, like we said earlier, it's a lot of work what you guys do, and it, it really helps the industry a lot. Obviously, without it, it'd be a, a massive chaos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, not, and not have that place to go. But I also want to say that I'm really impressed with the companies in the industry, uh, companies like Faradine, uh, Hoyt, Matthews, you name it. But these guys, man, they're coming to the ATA show. They're doing the work. They're grinding. And then they do things like media hunts, which Faradine invited me this year when I had a, a media hunt in Texas. It was absolutely amazing. But then I think about all the planning logistics they're doing in one year at all these ASA shoots and everything and these media hunts and ATA and uh, SHOT Show, whatever other shows are out there. There's so much going on all the time. It's really impressive what these guys are able to do with such small companies. You know, They seem big, but really they're not that big <laughs> when you look at the, the gist of a company. But, uh, yeah, so, they're, hu- they're huge for the archery and bow hunting industry, right? right. Yes, right. for very specific. Yeah. But when you look at that times, like a company, like an auto company or something, they're tiny as tiny gets. <laughs> That, and and if, you may, if you allow me, give me the latitude to make one quick point here. That That's the thing that, that I – it would have been easy to come into this job and be here for a couple of years and go, yeah, it's not really what I hoped it would be. The one thing – and that ha- I haven't even come close to doing that. I'm loving, I'm loving the industry. I'm loving the people we're working with, all of that. But the one thing more than anything else, and you just hit on it, Dave, was that there is – to an organization out there within our membership, just this passion for what they do. And they don't do it because, my God, I got I to gotta make another buck. That's not why they're doing it. They're doing it because they believe in the importance of the sport. They believe in the culture behind it. And they're going to do whatever they can to help and support it and make sure that it's there, not just next generation. Absolutely. And, and real quick, can you two touch just real quick on the ATA board I know we've heard that come across a couple times tonight. I've heard it, obviously, before because I know some of the board members. But can you kind of touch on that? Like, What is the ATA board? 
Yeah, and and uh, I'll tell you, anybody who's who's interested and wants to learn more about who's on it and who they are, uh, if you go to archerytrade.org, there's an about us link at the top, and you can sc- you can scroll down from that and and click on board and committees. Um, but the board is is 20 members. Uh, there's there's an executive committee of three folks, a chair and two vice chairs. Uh, I. I uh, the, the 20 members are a mix of majority manufacturers and then retailers and uh, uh, sales reps. Uh, and then the two buying groups, NABA and Aero, uh, NABA and Aero, both have seats on the board as well. Uh, and while, while I and the staff have pretty good latitude to do what we feel is important and right to do for the organization. And of course, there are bylaws that govern what we can and can't do. Um, anything major really goes in front of the board. And and anything that we're doing, any effort that we're doing is really at the direction of the board. This is not my ATA. This is not Matt's ATA. It's not the staff's ATA. It's really, quite frankly, n- not in a in a perfect sense the board's ATA. It really is the member's ATA. The board is representative of our membership. Uh, and, and that's what I've really tried to, to make clear to folks from, from my first trade show uh, back in 18 was that it really is theirs. Um, and, and we're not out here doing things because we want to. We're not out here doing things because in a vacuum we feel like, eh, today, you know, it's Thursday, maybe we ought to go do this. Uh, no, we're doing things because we think there's a good case to be made that it's got return for the industry that's going to help grow the industry, going to help also protect what we've built, what's been built for generations before us. Uh, and and if, we've, if we've got the board on board with that, and believe me, we've had some challenging discussions. They are not afraid. If you think of some of you, go look at that list of board members. You're going to pick out a couple who are not afraid to to, to challenge us, play devil's advocate, make sure we're doing the right thing for the right reason. We've had those tough discussions in the boardroom, and I, and I love those because that helps ensure that we're doing the right thing, moving in the right direction, because we got, we got a lot of responsibility here. We have the responsibility of, of you know, roughly 2,600 organizational members of the ATA and all of their employees, and then everybody out there who's going to benefit from the equipment, the products, the, the experience out hunting and target shooting. We've got all that resting on our shoulders, so we've got to make sure we're doing it right, and that's what the board's job is, is governance to make sure that we're doing it right. Absolutely. Okay, so... 2020 ATA trade show. It's in Indy, Indiana this year, uh, January 9th through 11th. Members only show. So uh, sorry, consumers can't go, but you can go online and see all the content that's coming out, the new products. It's always fun. Uh, looks like for 2020, you guys got some new stuff this year, a buyer only day. Uh, yeah. Yeah, really, really uh, in response to both manufacturers and retailers saying to us, we need to make sure that this remains the best place to do business between us. And so to to ensure that that buyers on that first day, Thursday, January 9th, uh, would would be the only folks on the shore on, on the show floor outside of exhibitors was important and and, and re- really resonated with the board and, and was an easy was an easy solution there, I think. We'll see how it goes. We're we're all optimistic that it's gonna be great for the buyers and the exhibitors. Yeah, it looks like you guys got uh, best in show awards, you got new networking events, so a whole bunch of stuff seems like it's going on this year. It seems a little fun. 
<laughs> well, As usual. It, it, yeah. maybe, maybe you'll be there and we can talk about it. Oh, yeah. So, guys, check that out online. You can go to bonerplan.com to learn more. Learn more. Matt, thanks for joining, man. Appreciate that. Yep, thank you. And uh, if you guys are listening, make sure you tune in to bonerplan.com to learn all what's going on in the industry when you can. And uh, check out Tesla. I'll you guys get a second. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later. Thanks so much for listening to the Bowhunter Planet podcast online at bowhunterplanet.com with your host, Team BHP. Check us out on Facebook at Bowhunter Planet. We'll catch you next time. Experience the power of 5G with T-Mobile. With faster 5G speeds nationwide, you can upload your favorite videos super fast or game on the go. Plus, T-Mobile has more 5G bars in more places, so you can stay connected to what matters most from almost anywhere. Switch to T-Mobile today, the leader in 5G. T-Mobile has America's largest 5G network, fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds, according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data 5G Speeds for Q4 2021. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. You know the old saying, selling like hotcakes? What does that even mean? What is a hotcake, anyway? They should change it to selling like Hondas, because right now, Hondas are selling faster than ever. Probably because they're so rugged, long-lasting, and fuel-efficient. And if you want one, you should get to your local Honda dealer right away. Check out the eight-passenger pilot, or maybe the adventurous passport. But you gotta do it fast, because Hondas are selling like, well, Hondas. New models are arriving right now. Don't wait. See your local Honda dealer today.